Welcome to SciShow Tangents, a lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. And also our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Hello. Today, as we are recording, this is the day that they released the majority of the first five images from the James Webb Space Telescope. They gave us one yesterday as well, but then uh, they gave us a bunch today. That's been my whole day. I've just been looking at pretty pictures, thinking about my space in the universe and uh, and and communicating science. Sam and Sari, I will ha- after uh, this day, I have to ask you, do you think we matter Oh, <laughs> we're making content, which means we matter more than most people. This oh, wow. This will be around. This will be around till the this, end yeah, of this time. This will be around until podcasts get turned off. <laughs> yeah. Somebody gunk, touches, flips a big switch. And somebody, somebody's like, look, there's good stuff on here. But there's also a lot of bad stuff on here. I think it's probably until we figure out like sort of what's going on. Like, let's just take it all away. Yeah. Let's the just last turn it all guy away. to leave Apple HQ will be like, oh, forgot to turn off the podcast. Click. <laughs> His name is Robert. <laughs> Robert Apple, the 27th. <laughs> I don't know. I try not to think about it too much. Watching that, like you made a TikTok where it's like, gravitational lensing a telescope pointed at a telescope we're seeing the beginning of time and i think my mm-hmm. brain just prevents me from thinking about that too deeply which is probably yeah. fine yeah there's probably and there's probably truth in that instinct somewhere i don't know what the truth in that that instinct is but i bet it's there somewhere sari when when you stare up at, at uh, a, a million galaxies in the space <laughs> of a grain of sand do you think the the grain of sand thing was really a chilling part of it though (laughs) yeah i think at this point in my life as a human and as a science communicator there are so many things that make my brain do that like the probability that we're even alive the fact that i'm not touching myself and i'm not touching anyone else (laughs) even when yeah i am the space between all of your all of your atoms yeah we probably learned something about like ants on this podcast that made me feel the same kind yeah. of like <laughs> horror. Yeah. Just as insignificant. Yeah. So it hasn't reduced my capability to feel that awe, but it's like, it's just like a wall of jars in my brain of like, oh, right. that's the awe wall. And so I guess we, we have is, to still matter. Yeah. This is where I keep all of the things that remind me that I am a speck of dust on a speck of dust on a speck of dust. Mm-hmm. I don't have a good answer for th- this, of course, but I did realize during this week talking about, um, you know, this sort of vastness of the universe that it's very big in size, but it's very, um, it's very, it's very finite in time. And the stat that made me realize this real, real hard is that it took about one fifth of the life of the universe for single celled organisms to evolve into multi celled organisms on Earth. That was one fifth of the life of the universe. Wow. Was where there was life on this planet, but there wasn't yet multi celled life. That's nuts. Life on Earth has been around for a lot of the universe. Yeah. Not most, but like 30%. That's shocking. I would have guessed. It is shocking. 1%. Yeah. And we already seen to the end of it. Boring. We already know it's all the way out there. Yeah. We've seen, well, we've seen to the beginning of it. We haven't seen to the end of it. Oh. In fact, we're a baby universe. We have not existed that long. 13.7 billion years, long time. But we're going to be around for way longer than that. 
Will it be as interesting as it is right now? Probably not. For, <laughs> definitely not for the whole time. But it'll be here. It's not going anywhere. You're talking about like, the, like heat, the heat death time? Is that when it will yeah, be Yeah, I mean, even after heat death, the universe will still exist. Oh. There will be particles. Okay. Yeah, there's stuff. I mean, it's always just, stuff. It, always stuff. It doesn't go anywhere. That's the whole, whole thing about matter and energy. All right. Let's give you a quick rundown on what's going on here. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts while also trying to stay on topic. Our panelists are playing for Glory and for Hank Bucks, which I will be awarding as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of them will be crowned the winner. For the whole month of July, we're going to be celebrating a special time. We're going to be celebrating the childlike wonder present in science with a bunch of topics inspired by the sort of things that kids love. Dinosaurs, spaceships, things like that. It's Kids Month, but that does not mean that you should enjoy tangents with kids necessarily as we may swear and talk about horrible things. But something you can enjoy with your kids is our sister show. It's SciShow Kids on YouTube. Sam and Tuna were making SciShow Kids moments ago. Outside, uh, it was 100 degrees outside <laughs> and we were making the dang show. It's, uh, SciShow Kids is like SciShow, but for early elementary kids, is hosted by Jesse Knutson Castaneda, who you may know from her channel Animal Wonders, and Anthony Brown and Squeaks the robot rat. Uh, it's wonderful. It's absolute delight. It's very popular with the kiddos. Oren loves it. Um, and you should definitely check it out. Now, as always, we're going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week from me, Hank Green. I have to say I was recently asked to perform a totally ludicrous task. On a day when the web surmounted the Hubble, I was told to write a poem about bubbles. Oh, come on. <laughs> This is a 10,000 ga <laughs> 10, galaxies and a grain of sand, a stellar nursery in the palm of my hand, the southern ring nebula's deep detail, <laughs> the subject of poems that couldn't fail. That wouldn't have been any troubles. But instead, I was told to write about bubbles. Pop, 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 they got air inside. Slightly <laughs> higher in pressure than the air outside. Pop, 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 their membranes are thin. And yet for a time, they hold that air in. Until they don't. Pop, 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 pop. Bubble, bubble, bubble. Pop, pop, pop. Congratulations to the JWST team. But SciShow Tangents must say on theme. <laughs> I said no like two months ago that today was going to be the day. Yeah, no, Look, I'm sorry. Because yeah, we were supposed to record this two weeks ago yeah. before I got a lot of COVID in me. <laughs> that was maybe my favorite poem ever. I mean, the maniacal energy. And pop, yeah. pop, 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 pop. <laughs> so the topic for the day of our first episode of Kids Month is... No, this is our third, third episode of Kids our Month. Our third <laughs> 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 Our third episode of Kids Month is bubbles, which is a thing that kids love. I can I can confirm that as a parent of a five year old who, um, I mean, it's been years since his first exposure to bubbles. He's still super into it. Sometimes you don't see a bubble for a while, and then you do see a bubble, and you're like, whoa, okay, now yeah, wait a that's a thing. <laughs> so, Sari, um, what is a bubble? And then I have a follow up question that I hopefully have an answer to, even though. Uh, I don't have a definite answer to. But first, what is a bubble? Did I get it right in my maniacal spite? Yeah, so <laughs> bubble used colloquially is is all over the place. You, like you, oh, yeah, you've got yeah. metaphorical bubbles, which I'm not even going to get into. But like there's there's air bubbles within molten glass sculptures or things like that. Uh, I'm going to say f for the purposes of this podcast, unless one of our facts fits into that category. Not not going to yeah. consider that a bubble. I think bubble is okay. gas inside a film or a liquid. 
mm. uh, like mm-hmm. air bubbles in water or bubbles, mm-hmm. uh, carbon dioxide bubbles in soda or soap bubbles that are floating yeah. around. And those those count as bubbles. So you got to have a liquid and a, and a gas. Yes. Together. Uh, and it's got and it's got to be temporary. I guess it doesn't have to be temporary because you have a permanent bubble. Yeah, I think. Maybe you can have a permanent <laughs> bubble. I, if you like worked hard <laughs> enough to make the bubble, then maybe. But I don't think, I wouldn't call bubble wrap, even though it's called bubble wrap, I wouldn't say that's a bubble because the plastic is a sol- too solid oh, to count as a bubble. Sure, sure, sure. Do I have bubbles in me? When there's this like air in my intestines, is that a, is that a me bubble at that point? Where I, I'm just a very thick membrane around <laughs> a little bit of gas. No, because you're not liquid. Much like, yeah. a, much I'm like, la- a, I'm largely liquid. You're largely aren't liquid. Aren't the bubbles in a liquid? I think that the bubbles are just. I mean, yeah, there certainly are. In fact, this is a thing I know about intestinal gas. When you have gas, a lot of why you have gas is not that there's gas in your intestines, which is totally normal, and you always have gas in your intestines. It's because it's like foamed up, and so it's hard to pass that gas through your intestinal system because it's got a bunch of liquid incorporated in oh. it. So when you take uh, like GasX, what GasX does is it breaks bubbles, and it, so it like com- combines all those bubbles together into one big bubble that you can fart out more easily. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Foam uh-huh. foam is bubble. I would say so. Then yes, so, I would, so I then I do have bubbles do have in bubbles. me because I got like, GasX needs to pop my bubbles. Yeah, so we I do have bubbles in me, but only when they're they're in in some like a foam situation. Yes, and you can have like a tiny tiny bubble, like all the little tiny bubbles that make up my cappuccino foam. Mm-hmm. Definitely a okay. bubble. Yeah, I think that's bubbles. definitely a bubble. I think foam foam definitely bubble. Whether it's sea foam, cappuccino foam, but not styrofoam. Not styrofoam because I think that's solid. It's like when yeah. you when you inject air into something. And then it solidifies. It's a briefly a bubble, and then it's a cavity. It can't. Mm. You can't be a bubble if you can't pop it. I think I disagree, but I'm not going to elucidate as to why I disagree. <laughs> I think everything you're saying is wrong. But <laughs> I'm not taking any questions. Uh, both you, Sari, okay. but I won't be taking any questions as to why. <laughs> so you think there can be a bubble in glass? You think there oh, can be yeah. a bubble in bubble wrap? And yeah, yeah. Okay. I think okay. that's all bubbles, but. That's just one man's opinion. Yeah. That's right. What's the etymology of bubble? Because it sounds like it would be amazing. This one is very fun. It's of echoic origin, which I don't think we've had before in an etymology section before, which basically is a fancy way of saying it is a word that was come up with probably because it sounds like the thing it's describing. So bubble comes from, it like imitates the sound of bubbling. And bubble is a form okay. of like burble and babble and all of them. Mm. People mm-hmm. listened to running water and were like, what's that? Bubble, bubble, bubble. And we're like, that's the word, oh. I guess. They kind of nailed it too, didn't they? Yeah. I know. They could have messed it up. I feel like sometimes <laughs> you interpret sounds really differently as someone who has written a lot of pronunciation guides for hard to pronounce words. Sometimes mm-hmm. I write something that it's obviously like an ah and then whoever's reading yeah, the script says a says like, nah. yeah or yeah. <laughs> and i'm like well that's another way to <laughs> nope. interpret that but bubble whatever collective of people were listening to bubbling rivers or bubbling water right really nailed it and it's interesting because like it bubble sat like bubbling and burbling and babbling all sort of sound like rivers but a bubble also kind of looks like the way the word bubble sounds mm-hmm. and i look at a bubble i'm like Round. that looks like a bubble Yes. Like if I if you said the word bubble to me and then you showed me like five things and one of them was a bubble, I'd pick the bubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, too bad you can't forget all words. <laughs> <laughs> Some, all right. 
We need a hypnotist to make me forget the word bubble. I was going to say, you just need a child who hasn't learned the word bubble yet. This is now going to be the part of the podcast where we're going to do the game show. Are you all ready for the game? It's like you haven't done this for two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I've forgotten all about it. Okay, so we're going to play a little bit. of This is uh, not going to be hard to remember how it goes because it's going to be a Bubbles truth or fail. We've all made bubbles, whether we're using soap or gum or some other substance. Does gum count, Sari? Yeah, Sari, really does gum count? No. <laughs> it's kind of a liquid. It's kind of a liquid. It's poppable. But humans are not the only creatures that love bubbles. Plenty of animals make bubbles as an adaptation that lets them thrive in their environment. The following are three stories of animal bubble making, but only one of them is true. Which one is it? Is it fact number one? One group of water-diving lizards is able to breathe underwater because they form a bubble around their snout that they can breathe in and out of. Or it could be fact number two. Orcas blow bubbles underwater to lure birds in, tricking them into thinking there's a tasty fishy meal and getting it to fly close enough for the orca to grab the bird instead. Or... It could be fact number three. Sea turtles use bubbles to communicate with each other, with female sea turtles blowing bubbles as a signal to male turtles that they are interested in the creating the next generation of sea turtles. <laughs> so it could be fact number one, water diving lizards create a bubble around their head to breathe, or orcas. Fact number two, orcas bait birds with bubbles, or fact number three, sea turtles signal mating season with bubbles. I, I think before on tangent, Sam talked about a star nose mole doing something similar uh-huh. of like blowing an air hmm. bubble and it then catch the bubbles in its star nose and suck them back in. Yeah. Or something. I don't remember. Like, Listen, I'll find whatever episode it is and link it. <laughs> but it's a bubble and it's breathing in water. But I think it's to sniff the water. Oh, it's um, to sniff the water. That's what it is. Yeah. To I think smell warms. I think I think they like blow it out and then suck it back in. But yeah. so. On one hand, that could be a great basis for this if it was a lie. On the other hand, I can imagine another animal also blowing a bubble. If one animal can figure it out accidentally <laughs> through all the chances of evolution, another one might too and be a There's little bit be better. There's got lots of guys it. out there blowing bubbles, huh? Yeah. How much air does a lizard need? And how much <laughs> air does a bubble have? That's what I want. Well, a lizard doesn't need no air, but I think it would need less air than us because they are... Very tiny. Don't, don't, don't have the same. Well, certainly, yeah. For, for, <laughs> uh, uh, but also per unit of of oh. organism, I think they'd need less than us because oh, interesting. Their their metabolism works differently. The second one sounds so familiar, though. Blowing bubbles to catch birds. Yeah. Yeah, I'd try that if I was a killer whale for sure. Do birds look for bubbles to eat? Fi- I don't know how birds find fish. I don't really either. I <laughs> I I feel like fish would make bubbles. Mm, do fish or, make bubbles? That's a great. Well, they might like point. churn up the surface. Yeah. Right. I've had fish. They make little bubbles. And then there are some fish that use bubbles for communication. Like, it's true. There um, are. Yeah. We did it as a butt fact once. Oh, the ones uh, the that herring, fart bubbles they, out. They fart bubbles. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what's the last one again? Romance flirting bubbles between turtles. This seems like something I would have heard of before. I think. <laughs> really? If turtles, if we were, I if we know. knew that turtles could talk to each other like that. Well, it might just be like a mating display, like uh, mm. like I don't oh, know, yeah, like that's you true. do your big tail feather, you just blow some bubbles. Like, look how much air I can hold in my lungs. I'm evolutionarily fit, and then you blow your bubbles, and you're like, "Wow, I want my babies to blow bubbles that much big." <laughs> also, <laughs> or maybe it's like mm. I don't even need all this extra air. Mm, blow them out of your nose. <laughs> Showing off. Yeah. 
I think it's a toss up between all three. I have no idea. I'm going to just go with the first one because I never picked the first one. So I think it's the uh, lizard reading. Okay, I wanted you to go first because only one of these is one that I was told not to research further into for my facts. Oh, and that wow. is the lizard who blows a bubble. Oh, no. <laughs> Good thing that doesn't actually matter to me at all. You both got it right. Well done. Uh, yeah, th- this I've seen video of this on, on Twitter a while back. I saw... It's really quite cool. In fact, um, the the bubble doesn't just cling to their face. It actually covers kind of their entire body, which allows it to do some amount of oxygen exchange with the water. Um, so a little so as it's breathing in and out, it's obviously carbon dioxide is uh, concentration is going up inside of the bubble. Oxygen concentration is going down. But because there's a lot of surface area to this bubble, it's able to diffuse some of the carbon dioxide and uh, have some oxygen come into the bubble. Now, this is not enough that they get to live underwater forever, but it is enough that they can stay underwater for up to 16 minutes at a time. So scientists at Binghamton University uh, set up a GoPro underwater to watch a Costa Rican species of anole uh, as they dived underwater and uh, actually used an oxygen sensor to monitor the oxygen in the bubbles. And they found that over time, it went down like it was a scuba tank <laughs> that they got to carry around with themselves. So cool. How do they make the bubble all around their whole body? Are they kind of like slimy? Their or skin is super hydrophobic. Oh. So it just happens naturally. Cool. Was there anything true about the other two? Humpback whales, not orcas, do use bubbles to trap their food, but they don't use it to lure ah, food in. They use those nets. bubble nets. Right. Um, we talked they, about that before, the, too. Yeah, the, the fish will sort of run away from the bubbles and stay in the middle, and then they'll come up through the yeah. big bubble net and just chow down. Uh, and sea turtles, um, n- no. Uh, <laughs> in fact, if your turtle is making bubbles with its nose, that if you have a pet turtle, that might be a sign of a respiratory infection. Oh, no. But uh, beluga whales do blow a lot of bubbles, and and we've observed them in captivity using bubbles to communicate in various ways. We've also observed them in the wild, uh, blowing bubbles, but we don't know why they do it or what they're trying to say to each other. That would be a, such a nice way to communicate. I wish I could blow a bubble just right here, you know? Well, I will like, thanks for making a podcast with me, bubble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going to take a short break and then it will be time for the fact off. Special Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money, a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a subscription-based world out there. Video games, art-making programs, food delivery services, these things, they all have dang subscription services to subscribe to. And I don't want to cast aspersions? Dispersions? Aspersions. One of those. But... It does seem like part of the subscription uh, business model is to get you to subscribe to something and then hope that you lose track of everything you subscribe to and just keep forking out 10 bucks a month until the sun Mm -hmm. burns out. And you know what? That's actually a pretty good idea on their part, but it's not such a good idea for your wallet. Your money is like a bean. (laughs) (laughs) You want to plant it in fertile soil. You don't want people carving off pieces of your bean all the time. That bean's not going to grow. If there's there's a constant drain on the, on the bean, bean. that 
is where Rocket Money comes in. With Rocket Money, you can see all your subscriptions in one place, decide what you do and don't want, and cancel things with just a tap. Rocket Money will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money. And beyond... I mean, beans and beyond subscription canceling (laughs) rocket money helps you build budgets, track your spending and more. There's all kinds of ways to take care of those beans. So they grow into a nice big bean plant. It has over 5 million users and it helps save members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. What would you do with 720 beans? I'd buy more beans. (laughs) (laughs) Different kind of bean, I guess. A cheaper, more of a cheaper type of bean. You buy cheaper beans with your expensive beans. (laughs) Yeah, until I had an infinite amount of the cheapest bean you could possibly have. (laughs) Subscription (laughs) companies hate this one simple trick because you figured out their plot. And now you can use that money for beans instead. Stop wasting (laughs) money on things you don't use and start using money on things like beans. Cancel your (laughs) unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. I don't like it. (laughs) Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to the stuff. You have to heat the stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to take the things that you heated it in and they're gross and you have to make them clean again. Meanwhile, life is still happening. That all all that's building up around you. Um, this is <laughs> terrifying. I'm so <laughs> I never want to cook again. <laughs> You're right, factor ad. I don't. I don't want to have this happen. This is unacceptable. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, parentheses, all the time, uh, you just don't have the time or the energy for meal planning on top of everything else going on in your life. So thankfully, Factor is here to help. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon come mealtime. You can get chef-crafted meals that are better for you and better tasting than takeout delivered right to your door. Ready to heat and ready to eat. No prep, no mess, no sink full of dishes, no stress. We're kicking stress out the door in 2024, and I certainly hope that's true for me. Heck yeah, Factor. <laughs> Kick my stress. Right out the door. <laughs> I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a chest freezer just for these meals. <laughs> Oh, you're going to need one because they have over 35 meals to choose from. Flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress, even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash tangents50 and use code tangents50 to get 50% off. That's code tangents50 at factormeals.com slash tangents50 to get 50% off. Welcome back, everybody. Get ready for the fact off. Our panelists have brought science facts to present to me in an attempt to blow my mind. And after they have presented their facts, I will judge them and award Hank Bucks any way I see fit, with a special emphasis on which one I think will make the best TikTok. But to decide who goes first, I have a trivia question. 
Here it is. Is there anything more satisfying than blowing the perfect bubble? Probably not much. So plenty of scientists have tried to crack the perfect bubble code, experimenting with the soapy recipe, the size of the bubble wand, and the speed with which uh, the bubbles are blown. In 2018, a team of mathematicians from NYU ran experiments using oil films suspended in flowing water and allowed them to easily control the various parameters they were testing. From their results, they found that the optimal bubble forming happens when you blow consistently at 6.9 centimeters per second for a specific wand perimeter. What do you think is the optimal perimeter of the wand? What's oh a perfect gosh. bubble? What is Just that? the best, the best one. Uh, too small and they pop too easy, I think. Like so. Optimal bubble forming is all I got. So give it this, to me in inches. How many oh, inches, inches I just do you think centimeters. it is? I have to just, oh, well, <laughs> c- like, centimeters is also fine if you want to be all fancy. Two inches. Two inches from Sam. 11 centimeters. That's going to be a win for Sam Schultz. It was 1.5 inches. Oh, I work on a kid's show. Come on, I know my bubbles. Sam, that means that you could decide who goes first. Ah, oh, heck. I think I'll just go first. In honor of Kids Month, today I'm going to talk about one of the most iconic animal kids of all, tadpoles. So tadpoles, as you may know, are the larval form of amphibians like frogs or salamanders, consisting basically of a head and a tail and being, this is important, very tiny. Also (laughs) important for this story, they live in water. So while doing some research on salamanders in 2019, scientists noticed a side effect of the tadpoles' tininess and living in waterness. Tadpoles they were observing were unable to break the surface tension of the water from beneath. They just bounced right off of it. Uh, And since these were amphibian scientists, they knew a thing or two about how tadpoles breathe. So tadpoles have gills, but those gills don't generally provide all the oxygen that a tadpole needs to live. So tadpoles also have lungs. Uh, So when they're big enough, tadpoles will lunge out of the water like a little tiny whale and take a gulp of air. But these guys are too tiny to to break the water. So the first thought that the scientists had was that the gills provided enough oxygen for little tadpoles. Uh, But there was a clue left behind whenever the tadpoles bounced off the water's surface that made the scientists think that maybe something else was going on. And that clue was that a little bubble would come out of the tadpole whenever they would bounce off. (laughs) So they set up high-speed cameras to see what was going on. And what they ended up discovering was a whole new type of breathing style they named bubble sucking. So basically, <laughs> the tadpoles will put their little lips up against the bottom surface. What do you call that? The bottom surface of the water. Open their mouth. Then the surface kind of droops down into their mouth and they close their mouth really fast and they pinch off a little bubble and it has air inside of it from above the surface of the water. Uh, and then they exhale the used up air in their lungs, which mixes with the fresh air. And then they breathe that mixture back down and they end up with more fresh air. But they also end up with more air in their lungs than they can hold, so then they have to burp out a tiny little bubble of leftover air, and that was the bubble that the scientists saw coming out whenever they'd bounce off the top. And they do all of this in three-tenths of a second. But how, if tadpoles are so tiny, did the scientists see all this happening? Uh, It was pretty easy, because tadpoles are basically see-through, especially when you shine a, a bright light through them. So they would just watch the bubble go right in, and there's like videos of this that I don't think I can use, But if you look for it, you'll find it. And it's extremely (laughs) cute. So the researchers also looked at some other tiny water-dwelling creatures like snails and found that they bubble suck too. 
Uh, and I think this is cool, but what I really think is wild is that the researchers kind of found this accidentally while researching something else uh, and discovered that no one else had really thought to like care about how tadpoles breathe except them. And then they're just like, oh, we discovered a new type of breathing. Where you suck in water in your mouth. You bite it off of the roof of the... You bite the, the air of out your, of... Yeah. Uh, out of our world. Into <laughs> yes, their world. Yeah. <laughs> then, you gotta do it. And then you mix it with the air that's already in your lungs and then you burp it out. That's what you gotta do when you're a little guy. <laughs> when you're a little bubble sucker. Oh, wow. Wow. It's very slow. Very slow-mo and they're very see-through. <gasps> and then he's gonna swim away. And then... Oh, what a cute... Oh, bloop! <laughs> it's a great bubble! <laughs> you gotta go look at that. You gotta go look at that. It's from it's it's from Popular Science's Instagram. Holy moly, that's great. Nope. That's mine now. Thank you. Oh, Sam, that's an adorable fact. They're really cute little guys, aren't they? Hey, that makes it look like the water is like maple syrup. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It'd be scary to be that small in water. Oh, man. Tapples, I do not think, have a great... Have great odds. No, <laughs> they were actually the scientists were studying uh, things that eat tadpoles. So, which I, is probably a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's the circle of life. Sari, what do you have to compete with this entirely new method of breathing, <sighs> where uh, tadpoles take a bite out of our world? I will. Ooh, <laughs> I like how you phrase that. That's going to be the Carl Sagan quote of this episode. <laughs> um, so rockets. Speaking of space, uh, are propelled by ejecting stuff out the back, which pushes them in the other direction. And I don't it's think it's a great butt fact already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any space rockets that I could find use bubbles as propulsion, but you can definitely get some lift in a model rocket with the right bubbly or foamy fuel, even like sure. dropping Mentos yeah. into Diet Coke. And now scientists are also exploring microscopic frontiers with sort of rockets. Basically, tiny particles that can be propelled in tiny 3D landscapes. This feels very magic school bus to me because the goal is to propel these little vessels around the human body to do things like precisely deliver drug particles or image certain tissues. Um, And one problem with making tiny microscopic rockets is it's hard to find chemicals that work in the body of the vessel as fuel that also won't be toxic to the human body. You don't want to put in bad stuff as you are using this small medical technology. But a study published in October 2019 showcases a new design for a mini rocket that they more precisely call a micro swimmer. The base structure is sort of a round cup or looks kind of like a bullet casing to me made of layers of gold, nickel, and a polymer spacer. And it was coated in a thin hydrophobic layer like the lizard. So when it was plopped into a watery fluid, an air bubble formed inside the cup. So it's basically a bubble with a shield that's around 10 microns by 5 microns in size. So on the same scale as a speck of dust. And to make it move, they need two things. First, a steady ultrasonic acoustic field that's at the same resonant frequency as the bubble to basically turn it on and make it wiggle around as a little motor. And then second, uh, they need a magnetic field that they can change to push the bubble rocket in different directions and steer around wherever you want it to go like the inside of Arnold. Um, and I don't understand the specific math of it, but this movement is largely thanks to the Bjorkness forces, uh, <laughs> which is a real thing. That's, you made that up. No, there's you, a guy. It's, 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 look, it's complicated, but it's the Bjorkness forces. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is if you Google Bjorkness forces, it's like a pusher. How pull. do I, and how would I do that, Sari? <laughs> Type in B J I R K B as in bubble 
jerk, as in what you're being to me, N-E-S. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Got it. Yeah. Jerkness force. <laughs> uh, and if you look it up, then there's a push or pull exerted on bubbles when there's a sound wave involved. So okay. this is like a known thing. It feels so specific to me, but there was a guy who really liked the interaction of sound waves and bubbles. Um, and his name was Wilhelm Bjerkness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost made Sam spit. I almost got <laughs> Sam to spit. I was just thinking about how he's like the first guy who liked that. So then he got his name. He got it named yeah. after him. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got to get into something really weird. Know, and then you get to have your own force. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Bjerknessing yourself. Or he was just like, hmm, what can I get named after me? What does yeah. it? Hmm. Hmm. Bubbles and okay. vibrations. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Uh, you can continue, but I have questions. Yes, uh, I might not be able to answer them. But what is yeah. extra cool is that these little micro swimmers are big enough to resist the random jostling of brownie in motion, which happens at like nano gotcha. scale. So uh-huh. they won't get just pushed around randomly and you can pres- control them pretty precisely. And they're sturdy enough that they can push other particles around as they're propelled. And there's something in the press release about like sucking in particles like a tractor beam to I didn't get that far. I tried to read the paper. I couldn't understand it. So now, obviously, all we need is a shrink ray, and then we can make biology class really fun and exciting. The end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, so th- they're moving this around with the Bjerkness force, which is like a bubble interacting with sound waves, but also magnetically? Yes. And I don't know. It seems like the Bjerkness force gets activated in some way by generating a constant acoustic field. So like that's what turned to my understanding makes the bubble able to be moved and they just tune the acoustic, like the sound waves to the resonant frequency of the bubble. So it vibrates in place instead of being pushed in a direction. And then when the magnetic field is applied, it's like just the barest little change that allows for Mm. that precise movement. But I don't know how magnetic fields and sound waves interact but there's something there well i don't think that they should yeah very much. they seem they they seem to be different mediums to me then there's a whole it's a whole different world the electromagnetic and and the physical well then maybe it's um, because of the the metal in it i don't know this is where i don't fully understand it you'd have you'd have to ask Bjork. we and gotta get him on the dense. horn oh he's not a, he's not with well, us I anymore mean, he was born in 1906 so i'm guessing <laughs> well Maybe these bubbles helped him keep around for a while. He was 89 when he, well, we missed him by a pretty long shot. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, that's when he pub- when he first published. Yeah. Fields he's from eight, he's that's born not in 1862. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have to dive deeper on, on Wilhelm Bjerkness. But first, I have to decide who is going to win the cute tadpole. Or there's a little tadpole that lives inside my body and is controlled by a different by a, a number of mysterious forces. Like, Sarah's the winner of the episode. <laughs> what? How are you going to make a TikTok out of that? I don't know. <laughs> little rockets. He's got space on the brain. There's a freaking video of my thing. There are videos <laughs> of mine, too. It looks like a dot moving around. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Sam. Maybe yours would make a better TikTok. I don't know. It's done now, though. Yeah. It's, I realize um, I'm in the dark now. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how, why is it so dark, Sarah? I turn off the lights to try and be less sweaty. Should I turn it on, or will that mess with well, no, the continuity? It's too late it's now. Done now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the episode's over. <laughs> I have been looking at your screen, being like, hmm, "Does she know?" Yeah. <laughs> well, I just looked around me and was like, "Oh, I can't see." <laughs> well, it is. It is nighttime here. Yeah. So, congratulations, Sari, and that means it's time to ask the science couch, where we've got a listener question for our finely honed couch of scientific minds. It's from at Darker Matter, who asks, "Air bubbles in needles, real threat or movie myth?" Um, I mean, so here's my take on this: you definitely don't want to fill up your vein with air, uh, so that would be a real threat. But I think probably most needles have ways of getting around this. What I know for sure is I've been in the doctor's office and there's been bubbles in the needle and I haven't died. Yeah, I feel like this, I've seen the same thing. <laughs> That's all I got. Sari. Yep. Yeah. So asterisk, asterisk, uh, not a doctor. <laughs> Do not, yeah. This is not a medical advice podcast, but uh-huh. I think there. So the danger that people talk about with air in needles is like a, an embolism and an embolism is any sort of like blockage in your blood vessels specifically. Okay. Um, so it can be you, you can have like pulmonary embolisms because of globs of fat getting stuck up in there. But then also there are air or gas embolisms where like a bubble of gas interrupts the flow of blood. That can lead to the flow of blood getting messed up and not making it to your lungs or brain, et cetera. And that can cause low oxygen levels in an organ. And that's why it's dangerous. Hmm. Um, but needles that inject intra- intravenously. So into your veins aren't often big enough to have enough air inside to cause mm. an embolism, an air gas embolism. So it like it, it has happened before. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance, but <laughs> I don't like I don't love that. There's a, there's a chance, but most of the time these air embolisms, when they rarely happen, are during like surgery or medical procedures when you're right. opened up or uh, you've got like a an IV bag being connected and air collects in it or like other other situations where a large amount of air can suddenly you get have to put a lot of air in there for it to matter. Otherwise, this is going to dissolve into the yeah. into the blood. Yeah, your blood handles yeah. gases all the time. Like your body handles gases all the time. My body handles gases all the time. <laughs> <laughs> What's super weird is that sometimes. It can be intentional, like doctors will put bubbles in your veins intentionally, uh, which means it's not deadly. Uh, it's it's used <laughs> for, unless they're a murderer. Unless they're a murderer, that's true. Okay, I did not consider the doctor murderer Venn doctor. diagram. Um, but during an what's called an echocardiogram, a technician is like looking at the structures of your heart, basically. So using ultrasound and then visualizing the inside of your heart. And sometimes in order to see how your blood flows, uh, they would do what's called a bubble study. And Mm. they take a saline solution mixed with some air to create tiny bubbles, inject it into your vein, and then watch as it goes into your heart to see how your heart is pumping blood from chamber to chamber because it's easy to see like bubbles as a as a marker in your body so little tiny bubbles no problem doctors put them in you and (laughs) and it's totally fine you go and ask yeah you go and walk into the hospital say give me some bubbles yeah give me the bubbles it's like 20 bucks (laughs) it's lots of fun 
um, yeah, that's the hot new trend for for rich people. Go into the go get your bubbles. <laughs> what Gen X? It's, it's what the Gen Zers are all all doing. Yeah, it's Tide Pods and bubble injection. Well, that was fascinating. Thank you for the question, uh, Darker Matter. If you want to ask the Science Couch your question, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShow Tangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Or you can join the SciShow Tangents Patreon and ask us on our Discord. Thank you to at Great Pretending Just Run 21 on Discord and everybody else who asked us your questions for this episode. If you like this show and you want to help us out, super easy to do that. You can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash SciShow Tangents and become a patron where you can get access to things like our news letter and our bonus episodes second you can leave us a review wherever you listen that's very helpful and helps us know what you like about the show and finally if you want to show your love for scishow tangents just tell, tell people, people about, about us, us. Thank tell you. people sarah. about us <laughs> thanks sam thank you for joining us i've been hank green i've been sari riley in a cave <laughs> i've been sam schultz scishow tangents is created by all of us and produced by sam schultz our editor is seth glicksman our story editor is Alex Billow. Our social media organizer is Paolo Garcia Prieto. Our editorial assistants are Deboki Chakravarti and Emma Douster. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our executive producers are Caitlin Hoffmeister and me, Hank Green. And we couldn't make any of this, of course, without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire. One more thing. Blowing huge soap bubbles isn't just a fun hobby. It's the subject of a real physics research paper published in 2020. By adding different kinds of long polymers to help strengthen the thin, stretchy bubble films, they were able to blow a bubble with a volume of around 100 cubic meters. Is that big? Yeah, that's big. <laughs> pretty big. Like a meter is like three feet. Oh, okay. Specifically, the most helpful additives were polyethylene oxide and guar gum, both of which can relieve constipation by making poops smoother and softer. There's the butt part. Maybe if you uh, farted out, you could fart out a three-foot bubble. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>